Hi, and welcome to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me, Dave Drimmy. In this podcast, I give you ideas, insights, information, and inspiration to help you achieve your potential in business and in life. So let's get stuck into this week's show. Hello, everyone. This is Wealthy Wednesday with your friend Dave Drimmy, and I am so excited today because we're going to be digging into something which is called Wealth Dynamics with an amazing lady called Julia Felton, who basically she's the lead impactor of a company called Business Horsepower. Uh, she's phenomenal. She's got a 20-year corporate experience. Uh, basically, she built a business division uh, in a corporate setting, which became a global market leader. Then she sold it to the company. And after that, actually, she found herself out of a job. She did such a good job on on building the business. So she turned into leadership development coaching, which is such an important uh, place to be, particularly right now, today in this time. So Julia, hello, welcome. Hi, Dave. So nice to be here with you. And thank you so much for inviting me onto the show. I'm super excited to be here and share all this great information with everybody. Because this, the information we're going to be sharing today really transformed my life and really helped me um, understand my wealth profile and where I really added value to an organization and a business. And I'm really passionate about sharing this with other people. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. No, I'm absolutely thrilled and genuinely. And uh, I work with a lot of business owners um, right now, and they tell me the three major challenges that they have right now are they can't find and retain the right people. They've got work-life balance challenges. And in addition to that, they've got cash flow challenges. And so I basically help them solve these issues. But today, we're going to focus on basically the people, the employees, and the the owners themselves, in actual fact, in terms of wealth dynamics. But before we dive into that, um, can you explain a little bit about your journey into where you are today? Sure. No, I'd be delighted to. Um, So my business background is I spent 20 plus years in the corporate world. I was really fortunate um, in that I was headhunted into Arthur Anderson. Arthur Anderson used to be, some people might remember from the good old days, one of the top five accountancy firms in the world. We then um, managed to spectacularly put ourselves out of business by some, well, what at the time people thought was uh, illegal activity. Um, We were eventually exonerated, but the fact is we lost trust with all of our clients. So the whole company imploded and then I moved to Deloitte. But I was brought into that company to set up a specialist hotels and leisure team and we specialized in doing big data for the hotel industry or what would now be called business intelligence, key performance indicators for the industry. And I took that business really from an idea on a piece of paper to the global market leader for them and had some interesting management challenges along the way because I didn't know anything about wealth dynamics then. And I got to one point in my career where all of a sudden I was like, why am I no longer the super successful golden girl of the company? And I kind of blamed myself and I thought, oh my God, I've got to be a really bad employee. And of course, what I discovered along the way after I'd left the corporate world and I'd sold that business unit for them was actually I was I had moved from working my zone of genius to doing something else as the business had evolved. And we'll be talking today about, I am very big, what we call dynamo energy. So I'm great at starting businesses. What I wasn't so good at doing was leading a mature business. So I was still the same CEO of the division, but it needed a different person when the business got to a different part of the life cycle. And I think this is a real problem when you're talking about cash flow and your business owners, Dave, because we're the same business person trying to run the business and it's in a different stage of its evolution. So it needs a different type of energy to run the business or and or we're trying to do activities that aren't out, that are outside of our zone of genius. Because, of course, we all know as a small business owner, you're trying to do at the outset the sales and marketing, the accounts, the delivery, the strategy, all different types of things. And, you know, let me just conclude this piece by saying let's just share with everyone the, the great Albert Einstein quote. Everyone is a genius. But if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing that it is stupid. <laughs> so, of course, we see <laughs> we see this a lot in business where, and it's exactly what happened to me. I wasn't doing my genius. I was no longer creating the businesses. And so I thought I had become stupid. But, you know, going back to people, which is what we're talking about today, 
often this is what I'm finding happening in businesses. We've got people doing the wrong roles. All of a sudden, people are feeling really dissatisfied at work. And it's not because there's anything particularly wrong with them. They're just doing the wrong job at the wrong time. So I think that's, that's absolutely fascinating. There a couple of points raised there, actually. Um, and maybe you can touch on this in a second. So there's a season that you talked about there. Yeah. We, we go through winter, spring, summer, autumn, and back to winter again. So in terms of business, that's one aspect. I'd like you yeah. to touch on that. But second to that, in addition, there's... Something called presenteeism, I believe, is costing something like fifty-two billion a year in mm. the economy. Yeah, and could you maybe touch on those two points there as it, as it relates? Yeah, to let's, what let's talk about the second point: presenteeism, which is really employee engagement. So the latest, latest Gallup statistics showed in the UK, if I believe it's correctly, it is something like only eight percent of UK employees are highly engaged at work. Globally, it's only twenty percent. Wow. Um, so what do we mean by highly engaged? These are people that are loving what they're doing. They want to be at work every day. They're super productive and super effective. There's a whole load of people that are effectively just showing up to work every day, going through the motions, but adding very little value to your business. They're just doing the job. And then, of course, the other quadrant of people are people that are actually actively sabotaging your business um, because they're doing everything to stop the business moving forward. So these are the challenges that we've got as business leaders now is how do we get these people more engaged, get them on board, because the cost benefits to the business are significant in terms of increased productivity, um, increased of profitability, and of course, employee engagement. And the more engaged somebody is, the happier they're going to be at work. And of course, that then has a ripple effect back to their home life as well. They come home, they're happier now, their spouse isn't all mad at them. Now their kids are all happy. You know, there's a ripple effect there. So I believe that as employers, as business owners, we have an obligation to create an environment where our people want to thrive. So we really need to spend some time figuring out, well, what are the types of roles we need people to do where they can deliver the most value to us? And um, and therefore make the biggest contribution because they're going to be the most motivated and engaged and we're going to get the best results from them. So that's kind of what I'd say about that whole piece there, because you're exactly right. We've got this, what people are being dubbed, the big resignation going on with, if you believe some statistics, one in three people will look for a new job this year. So as an employer's there's a complete transformation of the landscape going on. And some people are talking about the balance of power moved from the employer to the employee. I see actually this is a massive opportunity to reinvent business. Let's design business structures that work for all of us, um, for both the employee and the employer, uh, and create that culture of collaboration and um, connection where everyone works together towards the same aim and the same goals then happy days, everyone's in alignment and um, the business the business thrives. But then, you know, we've got opportunities for our community to thrive on the back of that. I think it's really, really important what you've shared there, Julia, and thank you so much because um, I spent 20 years as a quantity surveyor before mm-hmm. moving into uh, starting in my own business and then then growing it and doing business development, et cetera. Um, and what I found when I was visiting different companies and going to meet the owners of businesses, uh, you could detect the good companies from the bad just by asking a receptionist, mm-hmm. so what's it like to work here? Yeah. And it was amazing. Some people go, oh, it's absolutely fantastic. And others go, oh, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you know, don't particularly like it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, that was an indicator of, for me, the thermostat of the business. Absolutely. But if I take this into a more um, real environment my wife and i are refurbishing a a farmhouse in the scottish borders right now and um it's not it's had some challenges but we've had uh, subcontractors and suppliers of uh, varying degrees of um (laughs) helpfulness yes we've got a screening subcontractor they're called ats and i have to say their customer service has been astonishing but we've had other suppliers who frankly I can't understand why they're still in business. Mm. And um, it just comes down to delivery and looking after the customer. I've got a phase two of the project. And already this morning, I spoke to the owner and said, listen, um, towards Q3 this year, we're going to do the phase two and we'd love to have you involved. So he went off. Oh, repeat business is our perfect business, David. So Absolutely. thank you. So, yeah. so that's, that's, that's just a real life experience of where we are. So mm. what do you make of that? 
Oh, no, absolutely. And, and you know, you can even hear it in the way that you talked about that, the energy of the companies. It's either, oh, I really don't want to live, I want to work here. Oh, yeah, this is a really exciting place to be. And that kind of energy, I talk about something called the secret energy of business. And this is something obviously not spoken about very much. But I, you know, everything in the in in the world is energy. And if you're enthusiastic about your product and services, your customers become enthusiastic, your other stakeholders in the business become enthusiastic. And they all want to get on board versus, oh yeah, well, yeah, I don't really like working in this place. The energy is really heavy and really drab. But who wants to hang out with that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> So there's this energy Absolutely. that comes. There's an energy that comes with it about how our people show up. That's so important. I think um, influences the 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 success of a company in the longer term. Fantastic. So energy is one thing, but I know uh, as um, running my own business and you run your own business, and we know many many other people that run their yeah. own business, Julia. But when we're kicking off, we we have a, a sales and marketing hat, we have a finance hat, we've got an HR hat, we've got an, we've got dozens of hats that we actually put on. So as this relates to wealth dynamics, um, as an uh, an owner of a business, um, how important is it to determine as soon as possible your ideal wealth profile? Um. I really believe it is really important to find out right at the beginning because, you know, like we said in that quote, you know, if you judge your ability to do something, your accounts, and it's not your zone of genius, then you're always going to think you're rubbish at accounts. That can then really knock your confidence as a business owner. Like you say, in the early days, we often have to do everything in our business, maybe because we can't afford to invest in team. But I think if we know where our zone of genius is and where we're adding the most value to our business, where... um because the activities that we love to do are the ones where we're most energized. It's where we're going to make the biggest impact in our business. So if we can figure that out, then it becomes very easy to quite quickly figure out, well, what things do we need to outsource or get a freelancer in or, or get somebody to work alongside of us? You know, there's always going to be things in your business that you don't love to do. But what you want to make sure is that you're spending 80% plus of your time doing the things that you love to do and getting other people to do the things that you don't really love to do because they will love to do them. You know, and I remember in the corporate world, Dave, you know, there were some activities I really didn't like doing when I was leading that business. And I was like, oh, I can't give them to, you know, Jane because she will hate doing it. What I now know with hindsight is Jane loved to do that job. That ignited her. That lit her up. And actually, I I was actually preventing her having the opportunity to shine because I thought she wouldn't like that, that, that aspect of the job because I didn't like it. So for me, I think it's finding out quite quickly where it is because also the other thing is we get into this challenge, particularly when we're in the early days of business, that we don't. We're concerned about investing in, you know, freelancers, contractors, maybe taking on staff um, because we're like, can we afford to do it? But the thing I'd say to people is, can you afford not to do it? Because, for example, my accounts, can I do them? Yes. It drains me of energy. It takes me hours and hours and hours. And how much more effectively could I have used that time if I was doing something that was in my zone of genius? So it's this obviously a bit of a weighing up act, isn't it, that you're going through, you know, you end up doing all these sort of $10 an hour tasks that you could have been paying somebody for. You could have got somebody from Fiverr from to new, do some new designs for your marketing collateral, or you could try and do them. You spend five times as long and you could have been doing that, doing growing your business, selling, whatever it might be, delivery, where you could get a much higher return on your time. So really valuable. And so there are eight profiles, right? Yeah. I'm going to give an example of myself here. Um, so I'm in my 50s now, 57 at the moment. And, um, but basically, I started off and spent 19 years as a quantity surveyor, which is a numbers-driven uh, occupation, mm -hmm. and yet I'm a supporter. So during my time in the quantity surveying, I, I, I migrated more into project management and problem-solving and pulling teams together, but I had no knowledge about mm -hmm. um, about wealth dynamics at that period. But I'm a supporter, and that's why I do all day, every day. I, I connect my clients with their ideal clients and supporters and strategic partners to help my clients grow. Yeah. So 
maybe as a starting point, and, and maybe you can go into the different profiles, but that's like I am did something for 19 years and now I'm doing something I love all day, every day. Yeah, and of course, that you know, I'm, I'm going to get everyone. And if you've got a moment here, folks, just grab a piece of paper and a pen and you, it might be easy for you to draw this while I'm going to explain it to you. But, you know, how many kids when they're like coming out of school are told, you know, oh, you know, you need to be an accountant or an engineer and, you know, one of these proper, proper jobs that so-called parents have, you know, be a doctor and that. But, you know, again, they're not necessarily in their zone of genius. So, you know, they become situations like you find yourself, you found yourself in when you were doing a job that wasn't your zone of genius. And then we end up doing it for so long because we don't really realize what our zone of genius is. And we end up following what everyone says is kind of expected that we should do. Um, and, you know, I was just really fortunate um, that I ended up in a job that actually ended up me creating a startup. I didn't realize that was my zone of genius until later on after I'd left the corporate world um, and discovered it was, but it helped explain my whole career path in corporate. So folks, if you just want to grab a pen and a piece of paper, and I'd just love you to draw a square on it for me because this will really help you understand what we're talking about today. So at the top of the square, I'd love you to work, write the word dynamo. Okay. And uh, directly opposite at the bottom of the square, if you write the word tempo. As in T-E-M-P-O. M-P-O, yeah. And on the left-hand side, we're going to write the word steel. Okay. And on the right-hand side of the square, blaze, B-L-A-Z-E. Got it. Yep. So we call these the four energies of wealth dynamics. So our people with a lot of dynamo energy, they are all about creating new things. So um, they are what we call ideas smart. So they are great at getting things started but not so good at finishing them. <laughs> so this is me. I'm great at getting things started. So that's why it was fabulous when I had um, uh, my own business division within corporate because I could get it all started. Tend to be big picture thinkers. So we also, we tend to think about people with the dynamo energy as head in the clouds. Got you. So they're always looking at the big picture, not so good at the small things. And so examples of of people with good um, dynamo genius would be people like Richard Branson, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, people like that. That's what we've got at the top of the square. Okay. Yeah, got it. At the bottom of the square, we've got at the bottom of the square directly opposite. We've got the opposite. So the tempo genius, rather than being um, ideas smart, these people are senses smart, S-E-N-S-E-S. Okay. So they're very they're very grounded, but they often get lost in the detail of the activity. So the dynamo sees the big picture, the tempo directly opposite sees the detail. Got you. So they're very careful, they like to take time over things and to get things done properly. So some of the big investors, people like Warren Buffett, Buffett and George Soros. Maybe even people like Mother Teresa. They'd be people with a lot of tempo genius in their profile. Lots of nurturing, caring, looking for other people. Warren Buffett, George Soros, great at investing. You know, they talk about George Soros. You know, he's got the ear to the ground. He knows exactly when to buy and sell stocks. The same with Warren Buffett. They've got this kind of intuition about it. Brilliant. Okay. If we go to the left-hand side, we've got the steel energy, steel genius. So these people are all about systems. So they're very system smart. So they're very good with detail, but they can be very overcautious. So they're great at managing data. And they will focus on a task and getting something done at the expense of any type of relationships with people. Okay. I know a few people um, like that. Compare that. Uh, yeah. You know, the a very sweeping assumption would be our kind of accountant type. That's a very massive sweeping statement about accountants. But, you know, they're in the detail. We need them to be very focused on that. And, of course, the opposite of that is on the right-hand side of the square, 
which are blaze geniuses, which are very what we call people smart. So they love people. They're all about relationships. You know, they tend not to plan and worry about the task. They'll worry about the relationships with the team members rather than getting the task done. So they probably will be late in delivering a task versus the still people who get the task done on time, but might alienate most of the team in the process. <laughs> I completely get that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, our people smart people could be people like Jack Welsh. He used to be uh, Jack Welsh. It was, was um, Bill Gates's right hand man at Microsoft. So he was about how do we get all the Microsoft team galvanized and get everything done that Bill Gates creates. So they're all about leadership and connection. So that's basically how the square works, the different types of energies. Then just a few things to say about that is it probably isn't surprising, having said what I have said, that if you were to draw a line directly down the centre of the square from north to south, right through the middle of the dynamo and right through the middle of the tempo, everything on the right hand side, which is, you know, predominantly the blaze energy, those people are more extroverted. And everyone on the left-hand side of that line, on the more steel, more towards the steel side, are more introverted. Okay. Um, so let's be very clear, because there's often a lot of confusion about what we mean by the term introvert and extrovert. What we mean here is how do you refuel yourself when you get tired? So when you get tired and you are more extroverted, you will want to be around other people. And that is how you will re-energize yourself is by being around other people. Whereas somebody who's more introverted would rather maybe go and sit on their couch, watch TV. They want to be more by themselves. So introverted people absolutely can hang around people. You know, I'm, I'm a coach and trainer. I sit pretty much on the line between introvert and extrovert. I love to train. I love to spend time delivering coaching sessions to my clients, delivering training solutions. But eventually at the end of the day, I do need to go home and just decombust on the couch. <laughs> Quite right. Whereas I have a friend, I have a friend who, um, you know, her idea of a great time out is to go to the bar and hang out with loads of people. And I'm just like, oh, that, that just drains me of energy, even the thought of being around that many people at the end of a long day. So really important, folks, you also understand this for your partner, you know, that you're living with as well as your colleagues, because it might be if your partner comes home from work, they're not just being antisocial. They just need to decompress and spend a bit of time by themselves. So don't keep asking them questions all day because that will just drive them insane. <laughs> This is incredibly valuable, actually. And as you say that, um, uh, my wife, I love her dearly, and uh, basically she is an introvert. Mm. Uh, she's a paediatric consultant, but absolutely, I've just learned something very positive there. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. So it's important we understand this about, you know, our teams as well at work, about what, what they most like to do. So, you know, when we think about my job in the corporate world, I needed a lot of dynamo energy. I was great at starting new projects, but as the business got more mature, then it needed somebody with a different type of energy to run it. So if we just quickly around there map the, the business life cycle, a business starts with the dynamo energy. That's the spring energy, the energy of creativity and uh, creation. So that's the idea. When we come up, that's why we have idea smart people, people coming up with the ideas for the business. Then the business moves to the blaze energy. As we go, we literally go round the square. So this is the energy of um, kind of connection. You're beginning to reach out to clients. You're getting some good, kind of good traction. Then the business moves into the tempo energy, which is the autumn energy. So this is a bit more more around kind of customer service. Uh, again, great product delivery. And ultimately, then the business moves into the steel energy, which is the winter energy. So the winter energy is when maybe the business is kind of getting to the end of its product life cycle. So this is the time where you've got to decide, are we going to create some new products and services to go back around the cycle again? 
or is this the time we need to exit? So no big surprise, our numbers people are the winter people. They're looking at what needs to happen in the business. You know, is this product still viable? Is this service still viable? Yes, no. What do we need to change it? So that's kind of how we go around the cycle. And what we recommend is a different type of leader leads it depending on where you are in the cycle because you need a different focus depending on where you are. So, so Julia, just, just a quick one on that one. We, we've come through um, a couple of really desperate years where where COVID has really hit us and literally um, the, the smart people were, they were cutting costs and reducing expenses left, right and centre just to keep the business mm-hmm. afloat. So now that we are hopefully coming out mm-hmm. of COVID, then basically moving into that springtime again, you need creative ideas, you need marketing, you need perhaps uh, additional products or services to, to to move the business forward. Is that what you're saying? Um. Yeah, I mean, there will be some natural, I mean, we've seen, haven't we, you know, many businesses, high street brands just went into complete demise during COVID, right? We lost big, big names off the high street. And yet we saw other um, industries just emerge and just start thriving. So they took opportunities of um, what was going on in the marketplace. So, yeah, it's not that all industries are in the winter season right now. But probably you will also find that um, countries as well have an economic cycle go through these different energies as well. So, you know, we are in a pretty tough time here in the UK right now, but we've seen there's some industries thriving and some not. You know, uh, what about, here's a great example, oil and gas. You know, in some ways it's a bit in, I know it's making ridiculous amounts of money right now. (laughs) As we saw by the the recent uh, profit uh, statements, I think it was from Shell, wasn't it, that came out fourteen billion. But it's also it knows that the way it's currently running the business isn't going to work, so it's going to have to invest in green energies in order to survive the long term. Right. You know, another great example is Nokia. You know, I'm sure you're like me, Dave. You had a Nokia phone, right? Once upon a time, they were everywhere, right? You couldn't move. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, absolutely. We couldn't move for the Nokia phones. And interestingly, apparently Nokia were investing a huge amount of money to come up with a new type of phone, you know, with colors on the screen. And actually, it turned out it was quite similar to the iPhone, but they didn't think anyone would buy it. So they never launched it. And what happened? iPhone was launched. Nokia lost 90% market cap pretty much overnight and pretty much near enough disappeared. Well, so, you know, they weren't thinking about the future in a really strategic way about what people wanted. So obviously, you've got to look at the trends as well that are going on for people. This, 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 this is incredibly valuable. Thank you very much. So, so winter, spring, summer and autumn, literally, it's the seasons of life, yeah. but the seasons of business as yeah. well. And it's how businesses grow. So, you know, you start off, you know, with a quite simple product, you get it more, you get it more developed and then you get round to the steel side and then you're starting looking at licensing and franchising and how to expand the business in a different way. So there's, there are eight profiles. Could you quickly dive into that and, and then maybe take me as an example, as a supporter who, who, when I'm building a team, who would be my ideal uh, collaborators on, on the wealth dynamics. Yeah. So if we go back to our, our little drawing, folks, that you've done, right at the top in the middle um, where you've written Dynamo, if we're going to put three crosses on the top uh, line there, so you're going to put put the cross right in the middle of the middle of the top line. <laughs> and that's where we find people who have the profile I've created. Like Dave said, there are eight profiles within wealth dynamics. So these are all different sites of geniuses. So Let's be very clear. Everyone has potentially a combination of all of the four different types of energy we've said, dynamo, blaze, tempo, and steel. So people can have a mix of these. Some people might be pretty much entirely one type of energy. Most people have got some combination of both. So I think if I look at my own profile, I have like 4% steel, about 28 tempo, Oh, this isn't going to add up to 100 because I'm doing it off the top of my head. Something like 24 blaze and the remaining dynamo, but they would add up to 100. So I don't have very much steel in my profile is what I'm saying. So at the top there, you've got the creator. So like we said, they're great at starting projects, uh, can create a lot of chaos because they come up with the ideas. 
but they never really explain to people what they want to do with them <laughs> if they don't have the right type of people around them. So nothing moves forward. It's interesting. They sit there right in the middle. So some creators are very extrovert, a la Richard Branson. You know, we see him a lot, publicity out in the human, uh, you know, in the PR world, doing lots of crazy stunts. Um, somebody who's also a creator profile would be somebody like um, James Dyson, but he's a much more introverted creator, introverted creator. Um, so they can have both types. So, you know, he's great at looking at existing products. You know, I was just seeing the adverts actually this morning for, um, you know, the hair dryers and the curling tongs. He's taken products that have been around a while, finding a new way to look at them. So they're going to be great at coming up with big picture. Like we say, they're good at multitasking. They can be quick to get results and they're really good at getting something started. Wow. So what type of people do you, these are the types of people you want in a team when they're, when you want them to look at strategy or creative products, projects, creative problem solving, but you know, don't ask them to keep the time on a meeting. <laughs> That's never going to happen, right? <laughs> um, yep. So so that's yep. the creator. Then if we go to the right-hand side there, then we've got the star. So we're at the top right-hand corner. That's a star. So they're at the intersection of Dynamo and Blaze. So stars are our best promoters within the team, and they tend to lead from the front. Um, we want to give them a chance to shine and the space to deliver. Um, and they're great at kind of creating a better brand awareness. For us. So they're very outgoing and inspiring and they hold the stage. So quite a few celebrities tend to be uh, with the star profile. But the star profile isn't just about the person themselves. Oprah is a great example of a star. So she actually creates the space to shine the light on other people. So it's not always about shining the light on themselves as a star. They can create the platform to shine the light on other people, which is clearly what somebody like Oprah does. So again, you'd want them in your team on um, things like uh, promoting projects, kind of maybe your PR, being visible, uh, communicating what you're doing. They're going to be really great at galvanizing people into doing that. And then on the other side of the top, uh, top left-hand side of the top row, we've got the mechanic. So this is a mixture of steel and dynamo. So they are great at creating better systems. So they're always looking to improve things. So hence James Dyson, you know, he doesn't come up with a brand new hairdryer, for example, or vacuum cleaner. They already existed before. What he's found is a way to make them much better. So, they, so they're not so good at um, having a complete blank piece of paper, I guess. You know, they, they want to make things better. So again, they're going to be good at um, task-focused leadership. Uh, they're very good at communicating with flowcharts and mind maps, for example, because they want to find ways to improve the system. They want to make things simpler. They want to perfect things. They want to spend attention to detail. So a great example of mechanic is Roy Kroc. So, sorry, Ray Kroc. So Ray Kroc... Um, really put all the systems into McDonald's. He didn't come up with the idea of the whole hamburgers. That was the McDonald's brothers. But what Ray Kroc did was saw the opportunity was how can we systematize this, make this amazing and faster. And so ultimately, of course, we created the amazing McDonald's franchise, you know, and he also realized, you know, that as my understanding is, you know, the real value actually in McDonald's is all the real estate that they own because they own the land on which a lot of those um, those properties are built. So he just saw the way the, to put the system together. And I've heard stories about him you know, sitting in his office and he was watching the drive-through banks that are very prevalent in the US. They have a lot of drive-through banks. And he saw how they were going to like different stations to do different, different parts of the transaction. And so that's how the whole idea of McDonald's, you know, you order at one place, you pay at the next, you pick up at the next. So he looks at what's happening in other industries, brings all that knowledge together to make a better system within that industry. So that's your mechanic. Okay. So if we go to the bottom of the square now, so the middle at the bottom on the tempo line, right in the center, we've got the trader. So traders are our best negotiators. So they're always going to get the best price. 
whether they're buying or selling. They want to be given parameters in which to work, but they've got their ear to the ground, so they're going to know what's happening in the marketplace. So a good example of a trader is George Soros. Um, and it's said that, you know, he knows when to buy and sell stocks by whether he gets a twinge in his back. <laughs> They're that kind of, you know, sensory about what's going on. So they take time with people. So they're good at keeping a team together. They're good at things like customer service, looking after the customers, communicating one on one, building those relationships. Then. At the bottom, on the right-hand side, we've got the deal maker. So they're our best peacemakers. They're great at negotiation, um, a bit like the trader, but they're you know, but from the point of view of being a peacemaker, they really thrive on building relationships. So they're good at nurturing customer relationships. So love him or hate him, <laughs> uh, Mr. Trump is an excellent deal maker. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, you know, when you look at his property portfolio, you know, he's very easily accessible. People can easily get hold of him. You know, he's said to always be at the end of a phone and he's always able to do a deal and bring people together. So he's approachable. You can listen to him. He's quick to see opportunities and love him or hate him. You know, he did actually do that deal with North Korea. You know, a country that nobody else had been able to build relationships with during his presidency of the US, he reached out and he formed some good relationships with North Korea. You know, <laughs> so that's an example of the deal maker. So bringing people together. So they're the good people to source materials or resources. They're good at looking after people. Um, and then on the other side, on the bottom of Tempo, on the left hand side, we've got the accumulator. So accumulators are our best ambassadors. They're reliable. They get things done. Uh, they're very good at things like project managers when a specific task needs to be delivered reliably. They can sometimes get a bit of a rap in organizations because they are um, incredibly ruthlessly honest. <laughs> they can often be seen as pessimists. So they're like, oh, you know, I don't know why we're going to do this. It's never going to work. And um Interestingly, you know, they're the sorts of people you need on the team, though, to keep you grounded, because I worked with a media company once, Dave, who was very much a Dynamo Blaze team. And of course, they were coming up with all these amazing creative ideas for new projects and new films that they could do. And of course, none of them were financially viable because they didn't have any steel and tempo energy running the numbers for them. <laughs> So we need people. I'm laughing I'm laughing Julia because I'm la I'm laughing Julia because I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Dino and Blazes get all excited, let's go for it, let's go for it and it's just not financially financially viable and of course we can see this in businesses where we don't kill projects products early enough and we keep going a loss making product going because we're like oh we're like as a creator with lots of dynamite yeah it's going to work it's going to work it's going to work and all the numbers are telling you it's not <laughs> we don't have the guts to kill it so they're going to keep everything on track for us and just the last two because i know we're getting a bit short on time uh on the steel side in the middle of the steel side we've got left the lord so the lord is our best analyst they want to study the detail. They want to deliver the data. I mean, don't ask them to go out and network, guys. You know, they're strongest when they're behind the scenes. So, you know, the worst thing you could do is give a lord who's in your part of your team and ask them to go to a networking event for you. They're just going to hate it. And they're not going to portray your company particularly well because they're just going to be really reticent about being there. And nobody's going to want to talk to them because they're keeping all their energy in towards themselves. But, you know, give them some spreadsheets. They're going to be so happy um, and they're going to see the opportunities that many of us miss because they're great at looking at the details. So they're controllers, they're treasurers, they're data managers in your business. And last but not least, on the other side, so we're on the Blaze side, right in the middle of Blaze, uh, we have these, we call them supporters. And 
we describe them as our best leaders. And I, I just want to just put that in inverted commas because some people think, oh, well, if you're not a supporter, you can't lead. That That's not the case at all. But what supporters are great at is galvanizing and orchestrating a team around them. Um, so they can, you know, they're good. At, don't expect them to come up with a plan to do things, but build the plan and set the goals and the supporter will then get the team to achieve it for you. So they can set their own management style and agenda. So all of their best roles there are about organizing the team, relating to people, motivating people within the team. So, you know, Dave, just to talk to you, because you shared with us earlier on, you were a supporter. You know, I, I actually had, and I didn't know anything about wealth dynamics when I was in the corporate world, but I actually had a lady who run my data management center for me. Um, so typically quite a steel role. And in every single staff appraisal, I told her she had to be on better at spreadsheets. But she was actually a supporter. And what I now realize was her zone of genius was actually how she got all of those data analysts to work really effectively together. And actually within the rest of the team, she was really a bit of a little bit of a mother hen, actually, in making sure everyone in the team felt included. And every staff appraisal, I used to tell her off for not getting better at spreadsheets. But that wasn't her zone of genius. She was just like our fish, you know, feeling she wasn't great. But I hadn't appreciated that. And I think we have to be really careful in business about job titles and what we expect people to do, because often our job titles are expecting teams to do all of these different activities. So, you know, for example, if you're a sales manager, you've got high blaze energy you know, you're probably some kind of supporter. You might be a star or a deal maker. You've got some kind of combination of those going on. You'll be great at going out and bringing in new business. You might infuriate your colleagues because you never submit your stats every month <laughs> on how many calls you've made, what your conversion rate was and all that kind of stuff. But if somebody knows that, who's one of one of your, you know, people in your accountancy team or who's doing all your business analysis, who knows that and really understands this, you can work out a strategy and go, well, you know, Dave, every Monday morning, I need you to just come in for 15 minutes and we'll just do this together. And you're way more likely to do it than me. You know, if I was the still accountant sending Dave loads of emails telling him I need this, I need this. He's never going to do it. He needs a bit of hand holding to galvanize him to do it, make it really simple. Then I've got my data as the accountant, the data analyst that I need. And Dave's got his opportunity to go on and do the next things that he wants to do. Perfect. <laughs> so you also wanted to talk about the the ideal combination of people for a team, didn't you? Yeah, and the reason for that, Julie, is that uh, as we scale up this business in 2022 going into 2023, um, moving from uh, an entrepreneur to actually having um, giving trust in bringing on other people who can help the business scale where their expertise is possibly one of my weaknesses – yeah, I'd be fascinating. Who are the ideal profiles to look for to help yeah, scale the business? Sure. So what we say is if you've got the square there, everyone, you're looking at it, you might have already recognized yourself as being one of those. And if not, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be able to take your wealth dynamics assessment at the end of this and find out for yourself. But for you, Dave, as a blaze, you want to go two round the square from you. So that would be our trader at the bottom. Okay. So you go two round and then you go three rounds. So then your next person would be your mechanic. So your center at the bottom and top left. So, of course, if you draw that, then that creates a little um, triangle. And we've pretty much. Um, actually, la I'm, I'm laughing here. Sorry to butt in, yeah. Julia. I've, I've spent probably the last six months trying to figure out online sales funnels. Mm. And it's been frustrating me enormously. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yes. And I've now I've now got somebody that's helping me with that, um, and um, I'm I'm great. I, you know, bring people to me. I love helping people and guiding people. But the the online sales funnel, let's just say within the next couple of weeks it'll be up and running. Um, but even then, I'll still require Facebook ads and Google mm -hmm. ads to actually um, bring the right people to me. So is that that's going to be more on the mechanic side of things as well? Yeah, the mechanic stuff, you, it depends on on your tempo person. Sometimes the tempo people can build funnels. You know, if, how, it depends how well it's set out for them to do. Because tempo people, of course, remember, need, um, need structure. 
So if you if you know exactly what your funnel needs to do, they could probably build it quite well if they've got the expertise, you know, tech expertise. But it, I mean, I had a situation where I had a um, an owner who was a star and her assistant stroke marketing person was an accumulator. Now, the challenge they had was the business owner was just going to a marketing system. I just want a funnel. And as an accumulator, she's like, I don't know what to do. Give her a list of all the steps. Happy day. She can just go and execute. So people with tempo energy just need a list and they'll work through it. And then your mechanic will probably make it even better because they'll review it and go, oh, we're not getting converting at this this position. You know, we might need to do something else to the funnel here. So if so, if you're looking at a, a trader accumulator type individual, um, a trader with a leaning into more project management kind of focus, then that's probably going to be an ideal person, maybe for the because Facebook or Meta is yeah. changing every day or every week at the moment. So you just got to keep people structured and, and up to date with what's going on, yeah. and then the sales funnel can actually be built out by the mechanic, um, which uh, provides connections for the supporter. To actually have yep. conversations with. Yeah. So I love that it's. Wow, this is amazing. I love that it's a triangle because you know a triad is the strongest. Um, uh, what's the word I want to use? The strongest structure in nature. So that's why we do a triad there. Of course, you know, in an ideal world, maybe you'd have all eight different types of people, but you know that's not always possible. Um, but this gives you make sure all your energies are covered within your business. So, you know, your blaze covers kind of the dynamo. Uh, sorry, your supporter covers the dynamo blaze, your tempo's covering, you know, your, sorry, your trader is covering your tempo energy with a little bit of um, blaze energy and your mechanics doing your steel energy and your dynamo energy. Wow, outstanding. This is so incredibly valuable. And, and folks, I hope you're, hope you're able to take some notes off this. And uh, what we'll also do is we'll, we'll, we'll put something in the show notes as well, just to, just to help and guide you. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Julie, you did touch on on that earlier on, just about time, times against us. Um, so this has been absolutely incredible. How can people get in touch with you, Julie, if they are interested to utilize your knowledge to helping them and or their business to become um, more effective? Yeah, well, thank you, Dave. So, I mean, a few ways, folks. You know, you'll find me on all the social media platforms at Julia Felton. So that's J-U-L-I-A, surname F-E-L-T-O-N. My website is Business Horsepower. Um, on there, on the, on the home landing page, you can download a book called Creating Your Power Team, uh, which takes you through in more detail about how this works. And if you reach out to me personally... Uh, through my email, which is in in that book, uh, ebook, then I'm will and let me know that you've been here on Dave's podcast. I will send you a discount token so that you can take your wealth dynamics assessment at a thirty three percent discount off the price. Fantastic. Well, I found this stuff invaluable when I discovered, like I said, after I'd left the corporate world, and I discovered I was a creator. And it gave me such a permission slip because I'm like, okay, that's why I hadn't become a bad employee. I just had was no longer doing the job that was my zone of genius. And it helped explain why I was still trying to take the business into other verticals and overwork myself because I loved creating new things. <laughs> so it can really help you understand how you can best function, add the most value, whether you're an employee um, within a larger organization or your, um, you know, a business owner, what do you need to be doing or what do you need to be doing as part of a team so that you can add the most value? So Wealth Dynamics is our version for uh, business owners. Talent Dynamics is our version if you're a team member within another organ, uh, within a larger organization or small or small or other type of organization. Um, Pretty much exactly the same. It's just obviously a little bit of different languaging. So just let me know and we can sort that out for you. Well, Julia, listen, as I'm looking at my notes here, clearly as a creator, if you if it's required that your next most powerful ally is two steps round, then 
clearly you need a supporter. I clearly so, need you, Dave. Um, yeah. <laughs> allow, me to, <laughs> allow me to help you as much as possible. And um, let's reach out again after this and um, let's see who we can connect you with because that's what I do all day, every day. I just connect great people with great mm-hmm. people and uh, really try and um, make um, make everything happen for them. So um, thank you so, so much. And just, again, your, your website again is www.businesshorsepower.com. Yeah. Yes. So one of the ways that I help people create high performance teams is also experientially with horses. So that's why it's called business horsepower. It works on two levels, physical horsepower of being with horses, but also horsepower as in energizing your team, as in the revs you need to put in by getting everyone in the right roles. As Jim Rowan says, right seats on the bus going the right directions. <laughs> Julia, thank you so, so much. This has been absolutely fantastic. And um, folks, I really hope you took some great notes. If not, do listen again. The the Wealth Dynamics profiles um, are so powerful. It, it's taken me 57 years to figure this stuff out. But uh, Julia's really summed up in, um, in uh, under 55 minutes on how you can identify the, the, the power element of how you can perform at a higher level. So businesshorsepower.com Julia Felton when you go to businesshorsepower.com basically you can download um, the the creator power team and Julia's details are in there so Julia once again thank you so much and folks next week oh no delighted thank you for for joining us it's been fantastic so Wealthy Wednesday um, that's another um, wonderful wonderful uh, time to spend time with Julia today but moving forward next week we've got another exciting guest coming on as well and you will want to join us Wealthy Wednesday is all about helping you create wealth for you and your family not just for now but for generations to come so big thanks to Julia and we'll catch up with you next week thanks Dave really appreciate it thanks for listening to the Wealthy Wednesday podcast with me Dave Drimmy. Check the show notes below for further details on this week's episode, including links to resources mentioned in the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you'll find us on Apple, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. See you next week.